doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy looking being. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. The world wants to hear your story, so please get a hold of me and let's tell yours on a future episode of Uncomfortable. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65, and please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That's the main way that you, the listener, can help get this show out in front of more people and with more people listening that means more people coming forward with their stories also for those of you looking for a change of pace please head over to uncomfortable podcast on youtube and hit the subscribe and notification bell that way you will be made aware every time i upload a version of the podcast like i will with tonight's guest if you're interested in helping support the show head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortable podcast 770 and check out the three levels we have there or if a standalone contribution is more to your liking, you can do that as well through Red Circle's sponsor of this podcast. The links for both will be in the show notes below. September 14th, ladies and gentlemen, 2024 is the date for Bigfoot and Brews and Spirits 2. Again, held at Sister Lakes Brewing Company in Dwajak, Michigan. This year's lead speaker, Ohio's Amy Boo from episode 102. She is a part of the Olympic Project out in Washington, as well as leading her own project called ZooBook. Also, I am pleased to announce that we have secured Mr. Scott Tompkins of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. He is featured in episodes 57 and recent, most recently in episode 127. On the slate is naturalist John Hickenbottom from Ohio's Salt Fork State Park. John was featured in episode 37, where we dug into the fact that he is responsible for a video series on the Ohio State DNR website on the topic of Bigfoot. On the paranormal side, our special guest speaker will be listener favorite, the Archbishop Christina Rake. As we add to the event and flesh out the weekend's itinerary, I will make you aware there will be a VIP night the night before at the same venue. More information on that will be forthcoming. Stay tuned for more info. 
Official page and tickets will be available by the beginning of March. Tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is brought to you because of the Archbishop Christina Rake. Tonight's guest is a gentleman who started his journey into the paranormal at a very young age. As the years passed, he studied under some of the finest in the field and began conducting investigations on his own back in 1989, more frequently now joined uh, by his wife and two daughters. They have formed a family ghost hunting group, produced a worldwide highly acclaimed paranormal web series where they investigate some of the most haunted locations in America. He has authored a couple of books on his family's adventures in the paranormal. He has appeared on numerous television programs as a professional magician and is a featured researcher for the American Paranormal Magazine. So if you're ready, let's get into it. If you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Mr. Bobby Gallo. Bobby, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, give a give a uh, big hug to Reverend Rake for me as, as well, because, yes, she is quite a person. And I really do thank her for this opportunity. Well, we, we talked prior to the recording starting and uh, we we were both singing her praises. She's an uh, amazing woman. We've had a, uh, a amazing response to her two episodes. I think we even put out a, um, an, an, an extra short thing so that uh, uh, we could get people that were interested in donating to her um, Kenya project for the, uh, the underprivileged kids out there. Um, mm-hmm. Just a terrific woman. But let's talk about you, my friend. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and making this happen. I know you're a busy man. Let's get into the paranormal. Let's, uh, I, I've got so many questions, and I know we're limited on time here. Um, you know, I've done some investigations. We were, we were talking about that before we started recording. I've done some things. I've done very little investigating. But right. the times that I have, I have found it remarkably easy to get good evidence. Now I've been told by Christina that that's, and some others, uh, JJ Rose, that that is because I apparently am very open to and possibly welcoming of, of that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm interested to know from you, are you or any of your family members that engage in, in the investigations, do any of you consider yourselves to be um, sensitive to these things, or is it more just a, an interest in it that that prompted you to get into this? Myself, uh, no. My family, yes. In fact, I don't believe any of my family knew that they had any kind of psychic talents or gifts for this until we started investigating. Because really? back when we did it, uh, we, you know, I have been doing it since 1989, and I've always taken a very scientific approach to it. Um, you know, when, when my kids wanted to actually go on paranormal investigations and my wife consented to it because she thought it would be, you know, really educational for the kids mm-hmm. and it would be a way to, um, experience, uh, historical locations with historical context. And, uh, Hey, 
you know, if we ran into a ghost and we got some paranormal evidence, that would be great because they were big fans at the time of the paranormal shows on TV. And back when we started doing it, those shows were brand new and there was nobody on YouTube doing it or very few people. In fact, I think you could count the number of people doing paranormal web series on YouTube on one hand. And that's not even an exaggeration. Um, But when we started doing it, I realized very quickly that not only my wife, but my daughters absolutely had some psychic talents. Uh, My my wife, I bought her a homemade set of dowsing rods. She picked them up and started using them to communicate with spirits like she was using them her entire life. My kids Um, just actually got me a pair for Christmas this year. Right, right. So, you know, my, my wife... And it was amazing because they would people would look at our videos and watch her hands and she wouldn't move a muscle yet. Those things would work on command. Um, My youngest daughter, Courtney, she'd be able to see orbs with her own eyes. And my oldest daughter was an empath. She could literally feel the emotions that the spirits were feeling. And this all happened spontaneously. I don't I, I guess it's not by accident. There must be some higher power at work here. But um I was, I'm pretty much, I'm dad, I'm the ringmaster, I'm the guy who puts it all together, and I'm the guy who has the experience with the equipment and and paranormal investigation, but I truly believe that it was my family that was able to make it happen, and, you know, they were always very respectful of the spirits, and and I believe that's why we've gotten so much evidence over the years. Are you are you jealous at all of of you you being kind of locked into only getting the uh, the mechanical type evidence from from technology versus what they're able to uh, perceive? I wouldn't say that I'm jealous. Um, There have been times when I have experienced um, paranormal activity on a psychic level, Um, sometimes when we were in, uh, you know, darker locations and we've had more negative experiences, I was um, I felt that oppression just as much as they did. And, um, you know, that was pretty much time to get out. And also one time when um, one of our family members was actually under a spiritual attack um, and was hearing voices in their head. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go into the detail on that because I don't even talk about it in my books. I could just tell you that it does happen. Um, And I challenged these entities to leave my family member and come in to me. And they did. And I heard them. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget all of those voices just all of a sudden popping into my head. It was a terrifying experience. So there's good, there's bad in this, in this field. You really have to watch what you're doing. You know, be careful what you ask for. Be careful where you're investigating, how you're investigating. Take the proper precautions. Um, but now we've been doing it well over a decade, over 70 investigations. And we have evidence that would keep the 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 average lay person probably awake for a week or more well i sh- i shared with you um uh, uh the the events that unfolded with christina uh, at at my bigfoot and bruise event um right. and and anybody can go back and listen to the episode uh my short-lived passenger um to get the details on that if you don't already know but um you, you brought up your daughter seeing uh, orbs with with yes. her bare eyes yeah. um one of the actually the first investigation that i did with my kids was at a very old uh graveyard at, uh around barren lake cemetery it was barren lake cemetery around barren lake and uh, just outside of niles michigan 
And my daughter called me back into a port, uh, portion of the, the small cemetery, very old gravestones in it. Mm. And she, she said, Oh my God, dad, it's really cold back here. And you know, it was the middle of summer. Um, it was nighttime. There wasn't like she stepped under a tree and got, uh, shaded from the sun to cool right. off. Um, but in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, okay. You know, that's what they always say, you know, and you know, she's saying it and right. I, I, I pacified her by walking back there. And as soon as I walked between these two large trees, there was a, about a six foot monument that would kind of look like the Washington monument. It was just a big pillar right. with a triangle at the top. No, no, the pyramid. Type. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, holy shit, you're right, kid. It is considerably colder here. And just as I said that, and I had a I had a camcorder in one hand that was rolling, and I had my digital camera in the other hand. And in front of us, in front of both of us, and I caught it on film, was about two and a half seconds of this this thing that just came out of the top of that um that monument mm -hmm. and it was a little bit smaller than a golf ball. It was almost, almost white, but it had a bluish halo around the edge of it. Mm -hmm. And it, it just came into existence and it did this little zippity do. And then poof, it was gone. It, it wasn't like it took off and we could see it leave. It just poof. And it was gone. And right. my, my daughter at the time, I think she was like 10 or 11, maybe 12. And you hear her on the videotape going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Did you see that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, so when people talk about orbs, I, right. I have, a, I have a very high bar for what people considered orbs and, you know, something coming out of nothing and, and being there, letting you see it and then poof, it's gone. Right. Um, that, that well, was the, incredible. The, the, the thing about that experience that sells it for me is the temperature drop. Now, when we started, we were actually fortunate enough to be trained by Dr. Harry Stafford. He's, he's since passed on, God rest his soll. But it was down in St. Augustine, Florida, and he was a literal legend down there. Yeah. Um, and he would always, the first thing he would say is, if you're going to investigate the paranormal, you have to learn how to use a temperature gun. Because the one, the one piece of evidence, anecdotal or otherwise, that has withstood the test of time for literally thousands of years when it comes to its relation to the paranormal it, are cold spots or ambient temperature drops. So it, that's one thing that to this day we take very seriously on an investigation. We always check, check the temperature because when there are unexplained temperature drops or locations inside of the cemetery inside of a house or anywhere else that are noticeably colder without explanation like you know uh you know it's not an ice pond and then the air you know it's it's like right. everything should be relatively the same but all of a sudden this one spot is 10 degrees colder than another spot you know that could be a recipe for paranormal activity and why is that because theory has it that the spirits will actually drain the energy from the area the heat in order to manifest in your case what happened it manifested into an orb yeah. 
And in my opinion, and in the opinion of many others, now, of course, the hardcore skeptics are going to tell you it's all dust. Well, you can't see dust with your eyes. Yeah, that that was that was not the case. And usually in my experience anyway, and according to my evidence, a lot of times a spirit when it's manifesting onto the physical plane where you can see it, it will start as an orb before it has enough energy to manifest into a full body apparition if that's going to happen. So I totally believe it. I believe that um, not every orb is a ghost, but I believe that some probably are or the orb is a portal of sorts where they manifest onto this plane of existence. Do you think it's possible that like the type that I just described to you, Mm -hmm. do you think that that is a, uh, just like a remnant of the manifestation of energy or do you think that that's actually, you know, I mean, I mean, the the honest answer is we don't know, but I can give you my, my belief. I think they are the actual spirits. That's what I think. Um, But I just think it's the full, it's, the form they take when they don't have a lot of energy, I think it takes the least amount of, of um, energy to make that orb. Now, we have evidence where we've watched an orb manifest into a full body apparition. I think when they, when they manifest into a form that looks like you and me, I think that takes a tremendous amount of energy. And I think it's, that's why it's as rare as it is. Yeah. We have a couple of them. Uh, a couple photos of them, but we don't have a lot. We have, I think we have three, um, but we have a lot of orbs and the orbs are not just orbs for the sake of happening to capture them on camera. These are orbs that appear at exactly where we ask them to appear. And there's usually some telltale details on an orb that put it into the paranormal category as opposed to something that is just dust. And, and what, I mean, do you have like a, a solidified list of things that, yeah. you know, a checklist of things that you go through? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If it has concentric rings, that is probably a, a, a paranormal orb, in my opinion, because there's, there was a book by Dr. Klaus Heinemann, who's a NASA scientist. It's called The Orb Project. And he would pretty much show you what he believed was a, was a classic paranormal orb. And even a lot of um, orb researchers that I know that actually specialize in this will all agree that the, that the Mandela or the membrane around the orb in the concentric rings is pretty much a telltale sign of a paranormal orb. Now, if the orb is very blurry and indistinct, a lot of times that can be dust. Um, right. Lens flare is also very easy to distinguish that is not paranormal, but it does look like an orb. Uh, some insects can look like orbs. And this only goes to show that there are a lot of anomalies, airborne particulates, dust, lens flare, pollen, dander, moisture, that could all cause a circular anomaly in a picture. So I always tell the skeptics, well, why can't we say that ghosts can do the same thing? And they're like, oh, no, no, ghosts can't, ghosts can't. Because, of course, the skeptics are more materialism minded and they they want to look for a rational explanation for everything. But some things defy the rational explanation. You know, I call it strategic placement. When an orb is exactly where it's supposed to be at a particular time. You know, I mean, what are the odds? 
You know, my, my daughter, we did the orb experiment out of the book, the orb project. And my daughter was able to call an orb right above her head. We have the picture. And then, um, on a recent investigation to Valley forge, Pennsylvania, we were getting crazy activity in one of the cabins. And I said, would you pose for a picture? It said, yes. They're one of the pieces of equipment took the picture and there was an orb. And what are the odds? when I didn't get orbs in any other pictures on that entire investigation, I only got it that one time exactly where I asked it to be. What are the odds of that being a, a speck of dust by chance? Probably one in a million, one in a billion, one in a trillion. I don't know. Right. And I think, I think it's important to point out that, you know, using a flash on a camera mm -hmm. is, is, is pretty much a no, no, because that is, if you're going to, if you're going to get an orb, it, a uh, a false orb uh, using a flash on a on a regular uh, camera is is a surefire way to get it. Um, if you want to fool your friends and they don't know very much, you know, take picture with a flash at night and you'll you'll get orbs, but it's going to be dust or um, particulates of uh, uh, moisture in the air, whatever it be. And then also, um, you, when using night vision or anything that's producing infrared. Um, bugs, anything that has any kind, any of that, uh, that powdery dust on their wings that, uh, are part of protecting the, the wings that, that is highly reflective off of infrared light. And, you know, that it's, uh, it, it, there are things that you have to be careful that when you think you're getting something, you, there's, I'm glad you were able to cover that because I have had mm -hmm. photographs sent to me that have the concentric rings and even some that it's probably pareidolia, but it, there, there almost appears to be a, a, a portion of a, a face within, well, within the orb. Yeah. And, and, and pareidolia is, um, the problem with pareidolia is many times we use that as a reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. You know, there could be otherwise genuine paranormal evidence, but everybody's always screaming pareidolia, pareidolia. How obvious is the face? How obvious is the is the anomaly? Um, was it taken in a relevant location? Was it taken with other evidence from equipment that backs up the possibility that it wasn't pareidolia? Um, because honestly, blanket debunks. I mean, if we're going to use a blanket debunk for everything, like dust is all orbs or dust or bugs and all all images are pareidolia, then we're never going to get any any evidence right, because, right. you know, we're not going to take a picture. It's not going to look like the Mona Lisa. And it's so obvious and so clear. And so, I mean, the only picture I've ever seen that looks that way is the um, the lady in Bachelors Grove Cemetery, that 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 classic victorian yes. image sitting on the gravestone and who even knows if that's actually paranormal or that who knows if that wasn't a person right. but most of my apparitions look like the the, the brown lady of of Raynham hall you know like coming down the steps the original paranormal photograph yeah um, i've got a, i've got a friend of mine from a paranormal group out in texas and she was she was in in this small town gift shop that was uh, quite old and it was part of a town that had been there for for hundreds of years um right. and and she took a picture and and there is in that very same color that you're talking about that that grayish brown there is a very heavy set um woman 
and you know it, it's it is so clearly different than everything else around it uh, right. it is really very i mean it, it wasn't doing anything other than basically like crossing a, a, a doorway um but very 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 cool picture yeah yeah we we have a ton of them and like one of them that i got at gettysburg i throw it out in my book is this pareidolia or not i don't know um but i can clearly see a, a confederate soldier um other people might say it's pareidolia and i know that does exist i mean i in my first book i have a picture on my basement floor that was that was created by uh, a rag soaked in oil that stained the concrete and i swear it looks just like abe lincoln <laughs> <laughs> and i tell the people in the book i said look this is not a ghost but right. check this out Remind- you see what i see and everybody says yeah it looks like abe yeah Reminds me of what, what was that years ago, that piece of toast that was going around that was burnt that uh, apparently had the image of Jesus Christ. In it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I know, and I know uh, one investigator that I love her to death, but during sh- her lectures, she'll show pictures of faces in the clouds. And I'm like, yeah, I, I cringe, you know, and I'm like, yeah. I don't say anything. I got to be nice. But um, there's some things that are clearly pareidolia. I mean, well, I mean, it, I mean to, your point, to, admit. to your point, it, it's relative to the location where you got it, right? Just something That's up really in the, important. Just something up in the air is. Right. Right. Like when I'm at, if I ask something to appear in this one location and there it is to me, that's important. Um, uh, just the other night I was on another show and we showed a video where my daughter saw orbs dancing on the stairs of a haunted theater and I have them on video. They set off a motion detector and the third, we have her with the eyewitness account where she actually saw them. And, um, I didn't say anything at the time when I was videotaping them. She just said, I don't know what that was, but I saw them on the stairs going up and down, up and down. And there they are on the video. So when I call those evidence strings, and the more evidence strings you have, the closer you come to some type of scientific proof. Now, um, we don't have scientific proof beyond a reasonable doubt at this point because you have to have repeatable evidence, which we're probably never going to have in the paranormal field. Right. But we have enough circumstantial evidence and anecdotal evidence and physical evidence to come to the conclusion that some of these, these things were most likely paranormal. And it's very similar to the, uh, the, the Bigfoot community. You know, you have, you have thousands of people who are saying they see this thing. You're having thousands of people who are reporting, having experiences with it. There's no body, there's no, no clear pictures. There's, you know, but I mean, it's very, 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 very similar, um, different topic, but very similar occurrences. Um, Well, I think, you know, when it comes to Bigfoot and that's cryptozoology, it's not really my wheelhouse, mm -hmm. but I will tell you this. I always tell people, you know, you know, the skeptics will say, well, why, what haven't we found scat? Why haven't we found DNA? Why haven't we found a body? And my, my understanding is this, it's clearly a primate just looking at eyewitness accounts you know the pictures the drawings from eyewitness accounts and right. and of course the the casts of the feet themselves look um look like a primate 
why why do we assume that they are as dumb as let's say a gorilla or a monkey <laughs> exactly how about yeah. we don't know maybe they have intelligence approaching our own and if they or, do, or surpass it <laughs> or exactly and yeah. if they do why would we not assume that they are intelligent enough to know that th they don't want us to know they exist because we're going to hunt them down. Most likely right. they, they they've seen what we do throughout history to right. co other cultures that are alien to our own. Maybe they have, they're intelligent enough that they have perfected a way to keep themselves from being seen, except in that rare circumstance. You know, it, it's funny because uh, I've, I had this conversation with, Christina and I've had it with some some other people. Uh, it, the the similarities between um, investigating a haunted location and what people experience with Bigfoot, because there are orbs seen by people who are in the woods right. having experiences with Bigfoot. There are knocks, tree knocks. People right. assume that it's a tree knock, right? Right. But it's not a. What if it's not a a Bigfoot with a big stick? hitting a tree what if it is something very similar to and and i would imagine you'd agree with me on this you know you hear a knock on a wall or on a table or something in a haunted location maybe that's not just a ghost knocking and saying hey i'm here maybe that's a peripheral effect of them coming into our ability to perceive them you know oh, maybe absolutely. That's, maybe yeah. that's the sound that is uh an effect of of them coming into our perception you know it's it, it could be strange. it could be i mean i again that's what i think you know i've suspect that orbs are spirits but they could be portals you know they could be they could be opening a portal and that's what we perceive as an orb i mean we don't know i mean we don't know i mean we don't have any hardcore proof other than the fact that these things sometimes do act on command and you know the whole bigfoot phenomenon that may be the same thing I don't think they're spiritual beings like the Native Americans thought. I do think it's a physical creature. I just think it's a highly intelligent physical creature that knows how to hide itself and possibly even in cave systems, because I'll tell you what, I don't care where in the country you go, there's cave systems under the ground Absolutely and uh, they could be living in these cave systems and they know how to hide them. Yeah. Um, you know, just go i mean i live in pennsylvania you know i live on the eastern side of pennsylvania but if you start driving west it's just thousands of uh square miles of nothing and that's just in pennsylvania go further west and you have more and i i just believe it would and now you got in, in these national state parks like up in new york state and up in the northwest where you can't develop and you can't really you know, uh, do anything, yeah. uh, destructive, these, they could, they could effectively find places to hide and never be found. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. And, and a lot of people agree with the, uh, the use of case systems. In fact, uh, one of, one of my previous guests, he's going to be a speaker at Bigfoot and bruises here. Um, the Bigfoot mapping project, he, he produces maps of, of Bigfoot sightings or, he will take and do an overlay of known cave systems within the U.S. And when you overlay those with the the uh, pinpoints of people who have had experiences and reported seeing Bigfoot, those those populate 
each other. They're very, very spot on. And so, I mean, it it makes sense that they would, they would be using that. Right. Um, The other thing that's very interesting is if you overlay a map of all the reported uh, UFO sightings from the 1930s in the U.S., those also populate the same areas as the Bigfoot and the cave systems. Right, right, exactly. It, yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it is. You know, it I, is. I'm not it, drawing it's a correlation that subject. It really is. Yeah, I'm not drawing a correlation that Bigfoot are, are are from UFOs, but you know maybe there's something geological about those areas that produce or attract that kind of attention. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, just, just look at scientists, you know, they go into the oceans and they find, they catch a fish that they thought of has been extinct for 50,000 years. No, like, yeah. Oh, it's still alive. We thought this was extinct a long time ago, yeah. or they go into Madagascar and they find a new insect that they never discovered before. I mean, look, we've only, we've only explored what 10% of the ocean floor, We've only, you know, we, we've never been past the crust of the earth. Um, we don't know a lot, you know, modern science is only what 200 years old. Really? That started with Isaac Newton. Um, we're, we're, we have so much we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Our science is an infant really. uh, It is. And, and the one thing that we have the most evidence for throughout millennia are ghosts. There's more evidence for the existence of spirits than anything else. And the skeptic will say, well, what evidence, what evidence? I said, it's mostly anecdotal, but it's there. And if you look at even Neanderthals were burying their dead with with implements and tools which which back then were so valuable because they were so rare right but yet they would bury them with their dead because they thought the dead were going to use them in the afterlife they instinctively knew either they instinctively knew or they had the experience of spirits and knew that the consciousness survives the death of the body and all your great metaphysical teachers all of your great religions all believe this. And some people say, well, you know, the Buddhists don't believe it. The Buddhists believe in reincarnation. It's a spirit that's being transferred. So in essence, it's still paranormal. So to me, there, to me, the evidence is undeniable. And yet it's the one thing that science refuses to, well, modern science refuses to take seriously. It, it boggles my mind. Everything's a demon. Every every haunted house is a portal to hell. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I've I've talked to some, um, some really some really very level headed people who investigate haunted locations, um, and you know, fifteen years, eighteen years, twelve years, um, hardly ever run into anything that they would consider to be, Hey, we better not be messing with this because this is not good. Um, now I'm well, not, now I'm not talking that the, the existence of demons and it, I'll talk about it. <laughs> let, let, let's get into that. Um, I believe there's two types of malevolent entities. 
Uh, one are demonic, but I think they're very rare. Um, even in your ancient scriptures, there are there is an, an allusion to the fact that there's a finite number of demons. I mean, they were they were angels that fell from heaven, right. and there's a finite number. They can't be everywhere at once, and I doubt any of them are posing as Aunt Mabel, uh, you know, through the psychic medium. I I find because to what end, honestly. Right. Um, because, you know, you're fundamentalists and I've run into m- just so many of them will say, oh, it's all demonic. I'm like, well, if if a psychic medium is giving me a message from my departed parents that bolsters my faith and, and puts me at peace, how is that demonic? And don't you think these demons have something better to do? And that that's that's what I would say. And not only that. Demons actually don't want you to believe they exist because that gives you power over them. They would rather you be an atheist. They would rather you being an unbeliever. Those are the easiest people to manipulate. And once you believe that Darwinism rules and anything goes. So I think that's really where demons come into play. I think the bigger problem in paranormal investigation are earthbound spirits. Um, Spirits that have not moved on for one reason or another. They are people. And they could be very mischievous and sometimes downright nasty. And we've experienced several of those in our investigations over the years. Have you? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, Spiritual attachment. Um, We've had entities tell us to get out of cemeteries, certain cemeteries. We've had some. um, One was actually tormenting my oldest daughter by telling her about her uh, recent friend's suicide. Um, Yeah, real nasty stuff. And we've experienced all of that. We've also had some really great experiences with with spirits, some really wonderful experiences. So the, the paranormal could take all kinds of twists and turns. But is everything a demon? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 100% not. However, and Bishop Rake would probably agree with me on this. It all really started um, about 500 years ago when Martin Luther threw out the books of the Bible that um, contain references to praying for the dead and and, and yes. that in a <laughs> intermediary state where the dead are before they either get to heaven or or wherever. I right. think many times that might be right here on earth. And when you take that away, you're left with two choices, heaven and hell. And I call it the cosmic vacuum cleaner theory. You're either sucked up or you're sucked down and you have no choice in the matter. You're not allowed to stay here for any reason whatsoever. That's what the Protestants believe because they took out those books of the Bible. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So with that came a problem. And the problem is, is that if there is no intermediary state, whether it's here on earth or a physical place, limbo or whatever, then everything that is here has to either be an angel or a demon. And 
they never say it's an angel. They'll all tell you it's demonic. Right. So I don't believe that. I'm I'm also born and raised Catholic, and and I find a lot of sense in it. And that's why when I read Bishop Rake's book, I've told her this, that I was literally in tears because I said, finally, somebody who gets it, somebody who gets it. And if nobody has ever read her book, and since you have this on video, I'm going to hold it up because I have it right here. (laughs) God God in the paranormal. paranormal. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're going to be in the paranormal, Folks, you 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 really need to read this book. Very very important. I say I'm plugging this before I even plug my own books. That's how strongly <laughs> I feel about it. And, and don't and you know for the listeners, don't be put off that she's the archbishop of a of a Catholic church, it, because no. that that book, even though it's written from the perspective of someone who is Catholic, right. uh, the information in there is universal exactly perfect word for it universal yep yep um there's a lot of books that i everybody i I get this question all the time what books would you recommend and i i have my top 10 list and that is on my top 10 list along with the book we just talked about it called the orb project by klaus heinemann phd of course, I have my two books in there, but, you know, that's because I wrote them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and my my first book is a paranormal primer, among other things. So I think it is good for people. You know, it's not just the story of me and my family. It's also a paranormal primer. Um, but, yeah, and, of course, anything by Fiona Broom. The people don't know who Fiona Broom is. Fiona Broom is a pioneer, and she wrote... Um, how to hunt ghosts and haunted cemeteries, which is, was my go-to book still is for years. Love that book. So there are some really good books out there. And if anybody ever wants to know what they are, just shoot me a text or a message on Facebook. I'd be more than happy to share. Is there a danger to, to somebody who has just watched these paranormal TV shows and got a wild hair up their butt and said, I want to go investigate a haunted location. Is, is there, you know, there's short of, short of summoning something. Well, that's what they try to do. And there's always a risk. There's always a risk when you, when you're in the paranormal and, um, it might not be a big risk, but there's always something there. I've, I've just seen, I've seen people's lives crumble sometimes that are in the paranormal and they, they blame everything except what could be a spiritual attachment. Right. And it's so common and even health issues arise sometimes because of these things. I would say you need to read a good book first, take the precautions and I'm talking spiritual precautions because you know, a lot of, a lot of people say, well, you got to keep religion out of it. I don't know how you can. <laughs> I don't know how you can. I, I'm sorry, but I just don't. I mean, this is all spiritual. So when I say take spiritual precautions, that doesn't mean you're going to go in there and you're going to be Mr. Wizard or Mr. Science minded and nothing can touch you because oh, I'm not sure these things even exist. You're you're the number one target when you believe that, because right. if you don't believe they exist and you don't have any kind of protection around you, you're just inviting them right in. 
Um, that's why I always carry blessed medals of St. Benedict. Archbishop Brake would love that one because we talk about it. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I say prayers of protection. Um, you know, there are new age modalities, certain crystals that repel negative energies. So I'm not saying you have to be Catholic or even Christian, um, but you do have to take some kind of precaution because, you know, look, folks, you can't see these things. You don't know what you're talking to. And they might say they're one thing and then turn out to be something completely different. So, yeah, there's always a risk. Um, I don't believe in playing with Ouija boards. I think those are extremely dangerous because those are conduit forms of communication. I agree with you. You are moving that planchette, but the spirit is influencing you to move it. So you're a conduit. The spirit is working through you to move that planchette. And if you think that doesn't come with any kind of risks, you got another thing coming. Yeah, I won't touch them. I've I've had people tell me, ah, you know, been using nope. it for years, never had any problems. I won't I won't touch it. There's always a first time, you yeah. know, for those people that have never had a problem. Okay, that's great, but there's always a first time. And okay, I, I I've I've done my I've done my uh, my video research. I've I've watched a number of different shows. I've, uh, I've, I've developed, okay. When I take pictures, I'm going to take three pictures in a row. So I have a, a control and, and if something happens, you know, it's going to happen in the middle or the last picture. Um, I, I, I've got a night vision camera and I've got a, you know, a $20 K2 meter off of amazon.com that uh, I can, <clears throat> I can see if there's any energy around me. I might spend a little extra money and get myself a, a hundred dollar spirit box, uh, a Bluetooth uh, speaker that I can connect to it so it's nice and loud like it is in these TV shows and annoys the piss out of everybody that's in the room with you going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I might have myself a, 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 a decent um, recorder, a digital recorder to try to capture some EVPs. I've talked to some people who have become unhealthily uh, addicted to the EVP phenomenon, like mm-hmm. they, they, they wake up and want to go get EVPs. So I'm not quite sure what that's all about, why you would become so obsessed with that, but I've talked to more than one. Um, and, and then I've, you know, I've, I've bubbled up spiritually and, uh, I've, I've got my, uh, I've got my blessed medals or I'm, I'm saying my, uh, um, my, my prayers or, or, or doing my own little, Mm-hmm. thing to to protect myself um what what's the process of finding a place that is going to yield you um some kind of evidence it, it's been it, like we were talking before we started recording i've been a, a a few times and each time i've been it's been remarkably easy for me to capture something. And I've been told that it's because of me and, it is. and you know, but it, it is it, for sure. Because I know, I know skeptic minded paranormal investigators and they'll say, I've been doing this for 20 years and I've never caught anything. I said, it's your attitude. Yeah. I said, you know, these spirits are not trained monkeys here to entertain you. They're people. And if you're open 
and you're respectful, you'll get evidence. If you're not, you won't. And they don't have to, they don't have to talk to you. And I mean, sometimes they want to, but a lot of times, you know, it's, they're doing you the favor. So I think if you're open to it, or maybe even if you have some, uh, uh, you know, a, a modicum of psychic ability that, that helps. Um, but I believe that it's all the intent and I think it's how respectful you are. So I also think that it's where you investigate, you know, a lot of people, the one thing that, I mean, it bugs me, but it shouldn't because it doesn't affect me at all is that there are certain locations that people will just go to again and again and again. And all the friends go to the same location, the same haunted hotel, the same haunted theater, this, that, you know, the same haunted battleship. We always went to places that were never investigated. We'd find the oldest, creepiest cemetery in the middle of nowhere. And that would always give us our best evidence. And it's because. There's a lot of reasons for that, actually. But if a place hasn't been investigated out and all that energy hasn't been sucked out of it, you'd be amazed at how much evidence you can get and how willing these spirits are to talk, finally talk to somebody. But if you go to these famous um, paranormal attractions du jour, I call them, um, sometimes you won't get anything because it's been investigated to death already. It's old hat to them. If they haven't yeah. moved on and they're still there, they don't care. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a oh, few another exceptions. group, another group coming through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a few exceptions and that would probably be someplace like Gettysburg. And the only reason is because it's 50,000 people died there. Right. I mean, right. tragically and horribly. Um, so the energy, I don't know if it's ever going to get sucked out of the place, but there are other places where I like, I'll give you a great example. The real conjuring house everybody they pay a lot of money to go investigate that place i went there and i experienced nothing it was actually one of my least in, uh, uh, eventful investigations really yep interesting there's constantly people there constantly yeah. so it's like you know and like you're you know if these if it's not a residual haunt and these are intelligent haunts you could just imagine these spirits going oh here comes another group while we were on the topic of, of the TV shows, um, you know, I mean, they're still, they are still a comfort show for me. I will still turn them on and, and watch them as I'm cooking lunch or, or whatever, just having it playing in the background. I've sure. seen all of them enough times that I don't even really have to see the, the screen anymore to even tell you what episode it's been. Um, but there is a significant, uh, element of production that goes Definitely. on in those shows because they have to ensure that people are going to come back next week. They're going to, they want to ensure that people are going to not change the channel during the commercial break. Um, you know, ghost hunters for me was about the first that we started watching as a family with, with the kids. And that's, that's where they really got their lust for, for these kind of programs. And then, uh, ghost adventures came out and, um, they had a, they had a, I think it was a two hour documentary, um, which I thought was really good. And I thought, well, that, that when the brick flew up across the, the room, uh, in front of them, I was like, holy crap, that, that looked kind of convincing. Um, and, and maybe like the first couple of, couple of seasons, uh, of that show, I, I, 
I liked. And it is, it is, it has turned into this incredibly perverted version of what it started out as. And, and now it literally, you know, and I mean, there's so many other people that are on, on the kick now, you know, portals to hell, um, yep. you know, so what, as a magician, I was told that you were uh, pretty privy to some of the things that are done in those shows that uh, they resonated with you as as being part of uh, what a parlor trick or or what what are what are we getting fooled by? Well, you know, as a magician, it's very easy to um, uh, replicate paranormal phenomena. In fact, I have books on it. I, I right in back of me, I have a library of books. And in a, a, many of those books, there is what's called spirit magic, which is magic that a magician could do that makes you think a ghost is manifested uh, in one form or another. And so I have a critical eye. I watch these shows with a critical eye of one who has been trained in this. And I write about it in my second book, Family Spirits 2, Purpose in the Paranormal, where my wife and I were watching one of the more popular and credible as far as their viewership is concerned one of the uh, shows i mean it's it's it was it's a a, um, a man and a woman uh, very empathetic everybody likes them everybody believes them and i'm watching the show and they had a REM pod set up. And if any of your viewers don't know what a REM pod is, it's basically a device that has a, an antenna and it generates an electromagnetic field around the antenna. Anything that breaks that field, the alarm will go off. So they had it set up in a hallway and the two stars are staring at it. And all of a sudden it goes off and the two stars are staring in amazement. And I look at this and I said, I didn't just see what I saw. So I rewind it and I watch it again. And sure enough, the REM pod was in a hallway and there was a room opposite uh, off the camera angle, you know, on the hallway, off the hallway. And you could see somebody's hand waving up and down the shadow of the hand Are setting off the REM pod. And I'm like, I cannot believe the producers never caught this. When I showed my wife, she was devastated. She will never watch that show again. But I can catch these things. It's I, 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 you know, and then there was another one. And it may have been on one of the shows you mentioned. I'm not going to say um, where the star of the show is holding a Mel meter. And he's going through a haunted hotel saying, oh, look at all of this paranormal activity. Well, the, the Mel meter had a REM pod function on it. You can't hold it in your hand because it's it's detecting you. It's not detecting a ghost. <laughs> You have to put it down and walk away. Well, and maybe he didn't off. know. Maybe he didn't know. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching this and I'm like, but you know what? I thought about it. 95% of his audience is not going to know that. You know? Yeah. He knows it. I would imagine. And the producers definitely have to know it. I mean, come on. Yeah. But 95% of his viewers, they're just going to see this thing going off and say, well, I guess it's a ghost. 
So it's a that's that to me that's not even a trick. That's just to me a very cheap way. Deceptive. <laughs> a deceptive way, thank you, of showing some activity on the show. But when I see that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, honestly. Two two of the things that uh, really really struck me hard when I first saw it, and it's funny because you mentioned Saint Augustine um, earlier in the show, and during ghost hunters, uh, they did an investigation of the St. Augustine lighthouse and they were looking up through the, the spiraling staircase and something very dark looked, looked over. And, uh, that I thought was well done if, if it wasn't real. Um, but I, but I bought it until I saw another episode where they were investigating a prison and it might've been Penhurst prison. I don't remember exactly, but there was a, uh, a black cloaked figure that seemed to run down the catwalk um, and got caught on camera. Mm-hmm. And I've watched that several times and I, I cannot believe that they haven't pulled that episode and replaced that scene with something a little more convincing because literally I can swear that you see like the whites of tennis shoes at the bottom of that black cloak as it turns to run back down the, the wow. hall. Wow. And it's like, mm, boy, I don't think you guys got me on this one. <laughs> Well, there was there was there was uh, an episode on one of these ghost hunting shows where they were using a K two and they were going upstairs and the K two is going off 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 and are like, wow, look at this K two going crazy, and then the camera pans to the side and you could see a lit exit sign right underneath the stairs. That's what was setting off the K two. Right. Um, those things give off actually a lot of EMF. But it don't, I mean, they didn't do a baseline reading. And when I, if for your listeners, what a baseline reading is, is you go over the whole area in the beginning of the investigation with an EMF detector to find out where there's faulty wiring or anything that could be setting it off that has a natural explanation. Yeah. Once you get all of that out of the way, you say, okay, there's nothing here. Now, when you get EMF where there shouldn't be EMF, now you have something. Yeah. So that clearly wasn't the case there. That's that's that uh, again, going back to what we talked before the uh, recording uh, about the cottage that that I had been to that I I we got everybody out of the house. Everybody was out of the house. I went to with a K2 meter. I went to every outlet. I went I found where the um, the router, the Internet router was. I went near the electrical box down in the basement. I, I everything. And because I knew that once we all came in, I was going to have to basically I drew a a map of the house on a napkin and, and marked out, do not go in these areas because you're going to get false readings. Right. Good for you. That's perfect. It's exactly what you should do. I mean, the intent wasn't to just scare the shit out of my kids or, or, you know, the guy who lived there. It's like, we're, we're here. Let's, let's do this as legitimately as we can and see if we can come up with anything. I agree. And that was the correct way to do it. That's, that's the, 
Look, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm in this to find out the truth. I want to, I want to prove the, the existence of the afterlife. I, I'm not in this for sensationalism and likes and ratings. And right. I mean, but unfortunately, that's what this industry is morphed into, especially on YouTube. It's people that are trying to become famous that don't have any other way to do it. Um, I say this in family spirits, too, and it's kind of brutal. It's brutal. But you know what? I, I, I just truly believe it. The paranormal has become the, the one the one area of entertainment that requires absolutely no talent whatsoever. You don't have to sing. You don't have to dance. You don't have to play an instrument. You don't have to tell a good joke, which is harder than it looks. And you don't even have to do a good magic trick. All you need to do is sit in the dark with a digital recorder or an EMF detector talking to somebody who probably isn't even there. And these people think that's going to make them famous. They, they saw these three random guys and these two plumbers become multimillionaires with all of the trappings and lifestyle that goes on, that goes along with being famous and all the convention appearances and all of that. And there's these people saying, you know what? I can do this too. If they can do it, I can do it. And that's hell what, yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to be on TV. <laughs> and this is where we are. So what do they do? They go out, they get some equipment, they get it, they, they film themselves, they put it on YouTube and they think they're going to be famous. This is where we are. Who gets it right? You know what? The people that get it right are the people that you probably never heard of. There are some really good parapsychology organizations that are doing serious research like IONS. And those are the people getting it right. It's the people like Klaus Heinemann when he wrote The Ore Project, that book. He did that with real scientific intention. Um, there are people getting it right. Now, I saw I, I was here trying to do it legitimately, you know, you know, a decade ago, I've seen it, the pendulum swing all the way towards the strictly entertainment end, which is where we are now. But I am starting to see it starting to swing back. And the reason I say that is because the networks are starting to cancel these paranormal shows. People have caught on and they stopped watching them because they know it's a lot of it is just sensationalism. Yeah. Um, you're seeing a lot of these paranormal web series on YouTube. I mean, they're just going to keep them up there. They're not going anywhere, but they're not producing any new content because they realize they're not getting famous. The travel channel's not looking at their web series and saying, we want you to be the next Zach Biggins. They're not doing that. And these people are not, you know, and they're competing with so many other people and it's become so cutthroat that a lot of people are starting to drop out. And where's that? That leaves the people that are still in it to, to prove it. To, to find out the real answers. And so I do see it starting to swing back a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. I know you got plenty of things you got to get to. It's a Friday night. I appreciate <laughs> you, sir. Um, well, can I, can I uh, just talk about I, my books for us? Absolutely. Second? I was just going to tell you, plug everything you've got going. Well, look, there's a, the only two main things really. And, and, and the first one is, um, my first book, Family Spirits, I'll put it right here in the camera so people can see it. The Adventures and Evidence of Gallo Family Ghost Hunters. Um, this is my pride and joy. 
hit number three on Amazon in the adventure travel category. And if you look on Amazon and look at the reviews, there's some actual heavy hitter parapsychologists. One guy is a metaphysical researcher, said it's the best book on the paranormal he's ever read, bar none, number one. Good for you. Um, yeah, a lot of people. You'll see that that review on Amazon. Um, it's the newest one, in fact, newest review. Um, then we have Family Spirits 2, Purpose of the Paranormal. This is where Archbishop uh, Christina Rake appears in this book. And this book was basically written in response to what we were just talking about, the sensationalism and the paranormal. Uh, plus, it's uh, more of our investigations. And um, one last thing I just wrote is a book on how to be a magician. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost 400 pages. And this was just published by Barnes & Noble with a 25-year-old picture of me on the cover. That's a nice um, mustache you got there. Yeah, they, it was, and it was, it was, it was, it was brown. And uh, but here's the thing, and I want people to know this, and this is very important to me. If you go and watch our web series, and where's our web series? You'll see it right next to my name. It's at ghosthunter.ws. That's our link tree, and you can watch our web series. Anything you see in that web series, and anything you read in our books, really happened. Nothing is sensationalized. Everything is absolutely real. We like to say re real family, real life, real ghosts, because we mean it. And is everything that we captured a ghost? Probably not. But some of it is so compelling that it will, it'll give you a lot of food for thought. Um, so we like to, we like to put ourselves in that category of real researchers is, is, you know, do we have some dramatic music at points in our sh in, in our in our show? Yes, we do, and we have some great titling and whatnot. But that's only because I think a little production value is important. So I don't just look like a dad taking home movies of his kids and putting it on YouTube. Right. Um, so uh, it's an enjoyable show. We pack a lot into each twenty-minute episode. A little more, a little less on some, but everything everything is real. So um, if you go and to where is, Hunter, yeah, go where is that available at? If you go to ghosthunter.ws, that's our that's a link tree. So okay. you go to that and our entire paranormal world is there. You'll see okay. links to our web series, which is on Vimeo, Daily Motion, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble. We have it on all the major platforms. And then you'll see links to where they can buy the books and um, links to our photo dump pages for our investigations. We have one on MeWe. Um, our Facebook pages, it's all there. It's all at ghosthunter.ws. And that's the link tree. You'll find that's all the, the links link tree. there. Yeah. Yeah. The link link tree is the greatest invention anybody ever came up with one, one URL Brilliant. and you put everything there. Brilliant. Isn't it? It really it is. It is wonderful. Everybody should do it. And it's free. <laughs> it, it is free for how long? Who knows? But I would uh, pay for it, though. I mean, don't tell them I said that. Don't tell them I said that. I would because it's it's just to be able to give out one URL and have everything there that they could want is just wonderful. It really is. Bobby Gallo, I am uh, I'm thrilled that uh, the Archbishop introduced us. Uh, it's been a pleasure oh, talking too. to you. Absolute pleasure talking to you. You are. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to dive into to all of your content. Um, I, I very much like the way that you handle yourself and thank you. Um, thank there, you. There is nothing, uh, 
nothing at all that strikes me as being uh, pretentious or um, produced about about you or the way you talk about what you do. Um, the the magician book, not that I want to be a magician, but that <laughs> that is only available through Barnes and Noble. Is that what you said? That is correct. That okay. is correct. Um, that's a Barnes and Noble exclusive. That's actually. Believe it or not, that's actually uh, the printed version. We, I, I used to run the world's largest website for magicians called the International Conservatory of Magic. And that started back in, in the late 90s. And that was really when the internet was young, was magicschool.com. And we had, we had uh, students from all over the world that came and to learn magic on, on, this, on the internet, which was this brand new thing. And, but as YouTube took over, we started losing subscribers to the point where we ended up closing down the, the, the site. But in the interim, I had written, well, the entire site was about 2000 pages of original magic content. So all of the stuff that I personally wrote, I didn't want that to go into the ether. I mean, it was countless hours of work. And, um, often at the t time, often at the expense of spending time with my kids who were growing up. So I said, you know what? I said, I need to get this. I need to get all those lessons and print them into a book. And that's what this is. This is all the lessons from the international conservatory of magic printed into a book. And, uh, so that anybody who wants to be a magician or even experienced magicians that want really good original content that works before a paying audience, this is, this is the book for them. So I'm are there, a, yeah. are there any magicians that you have seen or heard of or are aware of that may be in league with, with something other in order to do some of the things that they do? You know, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to say no, because believe it or not, and this might strike you as strange, and it strikes a lot of people as strange, magicians are the biggest group of atheists you have ever met in your entire life. Really? Why, why would you think that is? No, they really are. No, but um, I mean, why, why would that, why is that? It started with, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I think it's a historical thing. It started with, believe it or not, with Harry Houdini and Neville Mascalini, who went on a crusade to debunk fraudulent spiritualists around the Victorian era. Right. And I think, I think that magicians throughout the succeeding decades thought it was incumbent upon them to be the great debunkers. That's why James Randi, who was a devout atheist, called himself an honest, um, an honest liar because he was honest about lying to people when he said he could do magic. Um, Penn and Teller, atheists, very, like totally out, you know, they're out with it. I mean, they, they don't make any bones about it. And every time I'm in a magic meeting or I'm in a magic thread on, the, on social media, it bears it out. Most of them don't believe in anything. Um, they like magic for the, for the ability to fake it, but they don't believe that there's anything supernatural to it, which there isn't, obviously there's it's tricks, it's illusion, right. but 
I came from a different angle. I'm a person of faith and I'm a magician. So I wanted to be able to use my talents as a magician to debunk, which they do as well, but with the ultimate goal of proving the rest of it, whereas they just wanted to debunk all of it. And um, so I'm going to say most, most likely not, even though Harry Houdini before his death left the door open for the possibility, most of the magicians I know and the communities that I've, I've, I've seen, they want no part of it, no part of the paranormal. Interesting, because there are some that uh, sure do personify uh, that that they have uh, have a little bit of help in doing. They're just what they really do. they're really good at what they do. I mean, a lot of magicians are really good at what they do. They will they can make you believe, and that's the scary thing, you know. And that's even with a lot of psychic mediums. I mean, cold reading is an art. I have books on it. I never did it, but I I have the books on it that tell you how to cold read. And some of them are so good at it. You think that they're really communicating with spirits when they're not, but I do know that genuine ones exist because I've experienced them. Yeah. In fact, one, I had one experience that was so powerful that I write about my book. This is one of the reasons that put me on the road to, to doing this because there's no way she could have known. And she didn't even know what she was saying. It only meant something to me. So when I told her the significance of what she imparted, she was as blown away as I was. And that's Sylvia Rossi and family spirits too. <laughs> Christina floored me. Christina Rake floored me with. She's with, very talented. With a reading that she did. Yep. And it, uh, we were only on the phone. It was not a video. Um, my, my jaw hit the floor when she, when she said the things she said. And. That was, that was, that was eye opening. <laughs> and that's what I like about her. And, and she's, she's a, you know, she could, she could tune into people. And, uh, I, you know, she keeps her circle small. Yes. You know, she, she does. And, uh, I'm honored to be in, in that circle because I just think she's amazing. And I don't think she gets the credit she deserves. Even though that's she's not out no, to get the credit. Right. And that's why I have no problem throwing her name around because and I do too. More, more people need to know about her. <laughs> uh, again, I mean, I've said in the beginning of the show, I'll say it again now. When I read her book, it, it's, it's things that I already believed and she wrote it in a book and coming from her with her theological background. I mean, she's a Yale. She went to Yale for theology. I mean, yeah. this she knows her stuff. Yes, when she does. she when she put, wrote in that book things that I I've been saying but I didn't have. It was all up to that point. It was only my personal belief. When I I'm reading this book written by somebody with her credentials, I, I was like, it was so meaningful to me, because finally I said somebody who gets it now I can give people this book, and say if you don't believe me read what she wrote which was basically the same thing. <laughs> so <laughs> that all ghosts are not demons. What we do is paranormal investigators. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. And I know, you know, for those religious minded people that might be watching, they're saying, well, you should just have faith. Well, you know, Thomas, did, Thomas needed proof, you know, in the Bible, yeah. you know, I mean, I put myself in the same league as Thomas, St. Thomas, 
You know, he says, I'm not going to believe it unless I put the finger in his side. And Jesus goes, okay. I cannot tell you how many times I've been told, you just got to have blind faith. I've got too many questions. And I don't think. There's nothing wrong with that. God, I do not think that God is going to be upset with me because I ask questions and want to know. That's right. I may not find out until the end. But I really don't think there's any problem with asking questions and being interested and looking into it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. And I think in in a lot of regards, it's important because some people do need. Do you know how many people are falling away from faith of any faith? I'm not talking about Catholicism, Protestant, whatever. People just stop believing because they are told they need to just have faith. And they says, well, I need proof. And if you can't give me proof, then I'm not going to believe in it at all. Yeah. You know, when us investigators, paranormal, when we give people the glimpse of that other side, and it's just a glimpse, but sometimes a glimpse is all it takes. Yeah. That could start them back, swinging back the other way. And I think that's really important because I think secularism and humanism we're living in a world where I th- I don't I think it's dangerous because you know the bottom line is if there's no higher power than Darwinism rules and anything goes it's survival of the fittest if you can get away with it go for it the world seems to be going that way doesn't it, <laughs> it, it, it oh very fast yeah. so I think what we do as paranormal investigators I think we it's a very valuable service to the public I I truly do um you know, I'm actually going for my PhD in parapsychology. Congratulations. And, um, the professor said it's one of the noblest pursuits because if we prove this, it's going to change the world. And I, I believe him. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Gallo, ghosthunter.ws. That's where you're going to find his link tree with all the links to all of his videos, where you can buy his books, anything and everything about him and his family ghost hunting adventures sir thank you so much i appreciate your time it's been a pleasure hopefully we can do this again i would love to do it again thank you so much for having me on it was a privilege i appreciate it good night good night Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.